Alcohol. Give me that alcohol. Let's get fucked up. A L C H O L. No. <laughs> <laughs> A call. <laughs> and uh, I'm cut off. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> and you know, they never said I was a good speller. So <laughs> this, is the, this is the Red Rum and Red Wine podcast, the podcast where we talk about murder, mystery, and how to improperly spell things. My name is Kristen. My name is Sarah. Oh, Hi. God damn it. Oh, I hear my cat already begging to come in. Oh, here we go. Here comes the anger. <laughs> well, here's something to make you feel better. You know, uh, as just a quick talking point before we get started, Ahmad Arbery uh, yes. got justice. Him and his family received mm-hmm. justice today. The three arrested for his murder were convicted. So that is something to rejoice. <laughs> Yes, something to cheers about for sure, because, yeah, you can't go out fucking murdering people. Thank God this is not the time of Catherine the Great. It is the time of (laughs) civilization. (laughs) Do you watch The Great? I love that show. (laughs) The only thing that that show has really taught me was that until a woman was put in charge, we just needlessly killed people for the fuck of it. So For literally any reason. Yeah, literally. If you called him a dickhead, you could kill them. (laughs) So I'm like, that's... that's... Go women. We do it all. So yeah, cheers to that. Uh... I don't know if we have anything else to talk about or cover. No. But yes, <laughs> cheers to that indeed. That was definitely, after everything that's going on, it's good to get some good news every once in a while. So definitely. Yeah, because we don't need, we don't need fucking redneck vigilantes running no. the streets. That is so. the last thing that we need. No. Um, the, I, I don't know the, if the guys who were charged were redne- rednecks, but... um. It just sounds like they were. <laughs> it's like a safe assumption for sure. But yeah, the family getting justice is a nice way to end it because fuck, it was a really tragic situation to watch unfold. So we're glad that at the end of the day, the family can at least get some peace through the justice system because we know how hard that that can be sometimes. So yes. But yeah, shall we get into what we're drinking and then get into I don't. I don't know what we're talking about, honestly. Yeah. So that. Um, well, I'm sure you all can guess what we're drinking. Um, I I promise I've been drinking red wine. I'm not like giving up on it. I haven't betrayed it. I haven't gotten sick of it. I just by you know the timing of our recordings. I've just yeah, it's, it's white cloth. So mm-hmm. yeah. And if we drink a glass of red wine that means that almost surely we're drinking a bottle of red wine and that would not be good for our livers so cheers to not doing that cheers luckily i now have a husband that i can share the bottle with so i never drink really more than half a bottle unless i open a second bottle which (sighs) dangerous games I know when I was over there, we played that game, but (laughs) it's okay. Yeah, trusty White Claw, trusty White Claw on the side. I finally, finally, right in time for Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving miracle. I found my original flavored pack, so I'm good to go tomorrow. Yay. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Ah, (laughs) By the time you're listening to this, if you actually listen on release day, it's Thursday. Thanksgiving Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving Day, guys. Happy Day of the Pilmigrage who who ruined the natives' (laughs) lives. (laughs) Yeah. I will be (laughs) wearing my turquoise at the Thanksgiving table. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) Okay, anyway. (laughs) Good day to celebrate all the rape and disease and hardships that we face to get to where Mm -hmm. we are today. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. And all the massacre. And mm-hmm. um, so speaking of massacre and no. Thanksgiving, not really speaking of Thanksgiving, but, you know, Thanksgiving is a day where a lot of us spend it with family, celebrate with our family. And um, so it kind of ties into my story a little bit. Uh, I will be talking about Australia's one of their most infamous family sides. Um, Kristen, I know you've heard of this case. I I think I first heard the story like a few years ago, maybe from Morbid, um, but it got reintroduced to my attention when I was scrolling through the Crime Door app. Shout out, Crime Door. Oh, heck yeah. Hey. Do you want to explain what it is? Because I honestly, when you first told me it, I was like, damn, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, so Crime Door, I don't know how I just found out about it like a few days ago, but... And we're not sponsored, by the way. This is just, we totally just found it and we're telling y'all about it. Yeah, I mean, for true crime junkies, for true crime podcasters, anyone who's interested in true crime, uh, Crime Door is an app or a website that has basically just cases to go through and they have old cases new cases they update their cases like even uh just now when i was reviewing the ahmad arbery stuff they posted an update on that and so they really keep everything up to date and they have just cool features where some cases have 3d crime scene things you can look at so you can like literally see the crime scene in 3d um they you know give you crime crimes or whatever cases by dates so uh you know you can see what crime happened on today years ago or whatever so it's just a really cool resource to you know find information through doing all the hard work for us Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and um so I was scrolling through Crime Door and this case kind of popped up and I recognized it and I was like, "You know what? Let's do it. Let's talk about the Hope Forest Massacre." Or, you know, that's what some people call it. Yep, this is definitely going to be those ones that I'm going to have to hear a little bit before it kicks in my mind. You would yeah. think that 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 title would pop right out but no, yeah um i know like for me it was a few distinct facts that i was like oh yeah i remember this mm-hmm. um so let's get into it oh and uh, you said this one was international too right yes so yeah. i i think i said it at the maybe oh, yeah. i don't know whenever i said family side um Oh, yeah, Australia, you did. Australia, Mm -hmm. okay. So we are in Australia, southern Australia. On September 6th, 1971, which was Father's Day, 40-year-old Clifford Bartholomew arrived to his family's farm in Hope Forest, South Australia, which is a rural area near Willunga. He and his wife, Heather, had recently separated and had been living apart since August 25th of that year, so a few weeks. Am I getting my months right? August, September? Yeah, so September, no. No, it had to have been a year. September comes before August? Yeah. August, September. August, September, October. So it had to have been a year. No. Right? Because August comes before his month. <laughs> yeah, it's a oh, few weeks. Oh, it was September and they have been... Oct- uh, yes, yes. Hi, <laughs> yes. Sorry, no, we're not stupid. We're just C's, slow. Please okay. get degrees, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so they had been separated a few weeks or whatever. <laughs> Clifford had been staying with his mother-in-law, which was Heather's mom, uh, while his wife and seven children stayed on the farm. And the farm they lived on, I didn't really, like, include this. I didn't really find it, like, intriguing, but I guess I'll just mention it. They lived on a dairy farm, and I think they were, they didn't own the house. They, uh, Clifford was a slaughter for the dairy farm, so he worked on the dairy farm, and mm-hmm. they also lived there. So just maybe in case you want a little picture in your mind. 
Heather's sister and her infant son were also staying there on the farm while Clifford and Heather were separated. Um, she was actually separated for from her husband at the time as well. And it's kind of unclear whether Heather's sister was actually living there, you know, like while they were both separated from their husbands or if she was just kind of staying for a bit to help out. Regardless, at this moment, she was there. So anyways, like I mentioned, it was Father's Day and Clifford was coming over to the farm to celebrate. So the family has a Father's Day dinner. Clifford stayed uh, for tea afterwards and the family, you know, just hung out for a bit playing records and watched television. But Clifford had additional intentions other than just celebrating Father's Day, you see. Um, At some point, Clifford begged Heather to reconcile and take him back and make their marriage work. But she apparently refused. A major reason why Clifford and Heather were separated was because Clifford thought that Heather was having an affair with a Vietnam soldier that was staying on the farm. Hmm. It was later confirmed she wasn't, but... And, like, why would he want to reconcile with her if he thinks that she's having some affair? He just felt challenged, I guess. Who knows? Ill, authoritative. Yeah, exactly. So one Ugh. of these. So we're dealing with one of these. Then, mm-hmm. mm. Heather would, of course, try to tell Clifford he was imagining things, but Clifford was just jealous and paranoid. Apparently... Uh, before the Father's Day dinner at some point, I don't know, Clifford had intercepted a letter from the soldier that was meant for Heather, and mm. I assume he read it. I don't know what was in the letter, but it seemed to kind of fuel Clifford's beliefs. It didn't help him, so <laughs> he just kind of had this idea in his head that Heather was keeping him from his children, and he just felt rejected as a father and as a husband Mm -hmm. it's wild you know for a man to create these illusions and problems and then get upset when he faces consequences for it (laughs) yeah and when you say um like he got the letter like one for sure he probably read it but two in my mind it's not even I think the contents of like what was in the letter it's just the fact that a letter from a man was sent to his wife and right could not handle I don't think it could have been the most like non (laughs) saucy message just like we'll be there to fix dryer on Tuesday yeah like Like, what the fuck is this guy I will yeah um And I I didn't get many details on what the actual relationship was like with the soldier. Um, He lived somewhere on the farm. I don't think they lived in the farmhouse with them. I'm sure there were Mm -hmm. multiple buildings or whatever. Um, I do mention later on how Heather would do his laundry for him. And so we don't know how close they are. Or I don't know, I'm sorry. For this case, getting certain details was a little difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. Good job, Australia, I guess. I don't know if that's good. Sometimes, yeah, out-of-state cases definitely do better at protecting the privacy of maybe victims and cases. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Yeah, I mean... I Probably think good it's them, good, but as a as researching it, um, it's <laughs> as, as you know it know is what it is. Intimate detail. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I want to know literally how these people were killed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Simba> agrees. <laughs> <laughs> so around nine thirty that evening, that or that night, Clifford returned to his mother in law's house from celebrating with his family, and he gets into bed. But he had a little too much on his mind. He couldn't fall asleep. All he could think about was his wife and how she made it seem like there was absolutely no hope for reconciliation. This day of celebration, uh, in Clifford's mind, he was hoping it would reunite the family, you know, bring them all back together, maybe hopefully forever. But it resulted in the opposite, unfortunately. 
So, intent and revenge, Clifford returned to the family farm somewhere after midnight. I read, you know, in between maybe 12.30, 1 a.m. that same evening. And this is where, you know, details were hard to find and some things were a little unclear. Um, But basically, Clifford snuck into the home armed with a rubber mallet and a 22 caliber rifle and a pack of bullets, uh, all of which he grabbed from his shed out in the back. Mm. I think he maybe like pulled his truck up in the back near the shed, grabbed the shit and kind of snuck in through the back or something. Because you were saying that the wife essentially lived in their, what was their house. Right. He is living with the mother-in-law. So her mom. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And so, so he like knows the layout. All his shit is still there. Exactly. He's very familiar with all his shits there. Obviously, his yeah. tool, his tool shed, all his weapons are there. Um, and you know, along with the wife, his seven children, with his wife, what were there. Age, what age range were they? Do we find out? Yeah, I'll tell you. Oh. <laughs> and then, as I mentioned as well, Heather's sister and her infant son mm-hmm. were all in the home. So. Clifford sneaks in the home, armed. He approached his sleeping wife and struck her in the head with the mallet. As she awoke screaming, he shot her point blank with the rifle. He then made his way through the home, trigger warning, literally, shooting each of his seven children and his sister-in-law as they woke up from the commotion. In almost every article or news clipping, it says he systematically went and shot every single family member. he knows the fucking layout. Well, not even just about the layout, but because, you know, like, you hear one gunshot, you're going to everyone is going to start waking up and with the certain gun he had he had to reload every shot so it was very intentional like you can't just accidentally shoot your 10 family members or but then it's like the fear that probably each family member had because of the time that it took in between each shot and like their children and it's his it's their fucking father oh my god i can't believe some people They're not going to fight their dad. Oh, what a fucking dickhead. What a fucking dickhead. After systematically and brutally shooting his family members, Clifford uh, went to the kitchen and he either made some coffee or he had a beer. Um, There are... Source, some sources say two different things. I do re- I did read beer a bit more often, so I don't know. So basically, beer let's go with more beer. Sense. <laughs> he drank a beer. He took some aspirin. He covered his family members' bodies up with blankets. And I guess while he was in the kitchen, kind of um, coming down. He realized that his 18-month-old infant nephew was still alive in his cot. I am assuming that's what they call cribs. So he reloaded his rifle. <gasps> and what is the point? Killed his infant nephew. What? There's literally no point. They can't even identify you. Oh, that is a fucking monster. I know. Um, that is fucking tragic. I That fucked me up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. In an interview, I, um, I also oh. didn't put that in here, so I'll just kind of say what I remember reading. In an interview, one of the detectives or something mentioned how he just could not grasp the idea yeah. or the point of killing the 18, 18-month-year-old because... You know, all the other kids would be old enough to be super traumatized, sorry, uh, of what happened. But the 18-month-year-old... The 18-month-old? Dude, I can't fucking talk. 18-month-year-old, they probably could have had a good shot. 
of like living and recovering um so it's sad it's it's just that that action right there speaks words to who we are dealing with so many cases i have read about where it's like brutal slings but they leave the fucking baby Mm. so for someone to like oh my god it's like even the hardest of the hard don't want to do that so when you do that Mm -hmm. that is like no sympathy no remorse there's no empathy in that person it's just like i i i really there was no zero point in that other you done fucked me up yeah no this case is not ringing a bell in my mind at all (laughs) fuck Oh, shit. That's... Oh, man. Damn. I know. All right. What happens next? I need to know what happens to this fucker. Oh, my God. It's going to piss you off. So, Clifford starts to write a confession letter, but instead he decides to call, again, this part was unclear. Some articles or sources said a local doctor, and then... In actual newspaper articles from the time, it says he called a lead detective. So, either way, whether he called a local doctor or a detective, he called them to confess, and then police came out right away. Local detective Alan Arthur was one of the first people to arrive on the scene, and he described it as an unimaginable horror. He also described how Clifford was sitting in the kitchen with an empty bottle of Bacardi next to him when they arrived. Detective Arthur also noted that Clifford made, and this is kind of what I mentioned earlier, and I got my thoughts from basically this quote uh, from Detective Arthur. He noted that Clifford made a conscious decision each time to reload and kill his family. And this was also one of Alan Arthur's first big cases as a detective. Just imagine. Yeah. God. The ooh. You were seeing all of that brutality. Like Ugh. In interviews following this, Clifford states he might have even said this to the court, but he said, Once I had shot Christine, I realized I had to kill all of them. I loved my children that much. I couldn't leave any of them behind. Such a pathetic excuse. He also said, When my wife screamed, I lost all control. I just went on and killed until everything was quiet. I had no intentions of hurting anybody else. Hearing how he was before this, like that response doesn't surprise me because he's very much like, not putting the blame on himself he's like oh it's just the whim of my nature yeah he would also later claim that he only had the intention to beat his wife unconscious okay he wanted to take her out back to the shed i don't know but we see where (laughs) that led that's like not oh even if he did that like go to jail <laughs> and die okay. <laughs> go to jail and rot in fucking hell like you don't you don't fucking do that i like where's the audacity that these men think that they actually like deserve that they <laughs> i'm so like she did the right thing by fucking leaving and like this is what she gets that's what breaks my heart is like even leaving sometimes is not enough and that is what a lot of people don't fucking understand is like it's not even leaving that like leaving can kill you just as much as saying it's like people are like just leave and i'm like no that's not it that's literally this is a discussion for another day but it's just (laughs) like shows you it's not that simple yeah Clifford also explained in court, I guess he was just kind of trying to justify his feelings, who knows, 
but he for you, sir. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he would explain that Heather would wash and iron the laundry, you know, for everyone pretty much. She would leave Clifford's clothes out, laying, you know, out for him to put away, but she would neatly fold the soldier's clothes and put them away for him. <laughs> and this is one thing that just made Clifford so jealous. And, oh, sorry. And I have a quote from him that says, These sort of things made me very jealous. I had a right to be. Okay. Clifford pleaded guilty um, and was found guilty for his crimes for the murder of of (laughs) his ten family members. Right? Seven kids. Yeah. Yeah. He was sentenced to death by hanging on November 23rd, 1971. Uh, I think I maybe read the 24th also. Anyways, November 1971. But his death sentence ended up being thrown out and his charge was changed to just life in prison. However, oh, you're going gonna- <laughs> to love this. He was granted parole in 1979. <gasps> For good behavior. Wait, when the fuck was he thrown in jail? And was released after serving only eight years. Oh, which is equivalent. Which is equivalent to about nine months per murder. So the circumstances surrounding his release were pretty questionable back then and they still have remained questionable to this day because it's like his address and where can i find (laughs) this guy (laughs) because i don't condone violence but i'll accept one time what the i mean a lot of people felt the same way in what in what circumstances like okay so did he know the judge did he that's why it's so questionable no one really knows why he only served eight years why he kind of got off so easy because obviously they said it was for good behavior but it could have been because he fucking blew a guard or something i don't know just kidding (laughs) probably fucking did though oh my god gave the fucking ward warden anal like okay can a spider in australia please do us all a favor and fucking bite him what the fuck am i actually just hearing that is unheard of even in the states i don't think i've heard of a case like that prove me wrong yeah i mean it just goes to to show people get charged life or sentenced life for you know never heard of years for crimes they don't even commit (laughs) and for like he fucking but homeboy like for sure did this one yeah i mean mean, there was no question about it it. you know he pleaded guilty he never tried to say he didn't do anything there's no good behavior on the you could blow a thousand homeless people and that is not enough good behavior in this world to fucking like okay so he did what he was supposed to do he followed rules and you're just gonna let him out in jail for fucking murder like uh, what who was the parole board i want someone to do an investigative journalism <laughs> report on this because that is corrupt as fuck that like so has he gone to do like let me just hasn't, let me just okay. tell you because okay. okay. you're not gonna really be, it's, just, it's wild it's just wild like how it. it circles back really so, I was just like, okay, I'm ready to fucking end the show right here because I'm pissed. Clifford's release was met with uproar by the police, prison guards, Good. and there were even protests from the public. Good. So we don't know who the fuck was responsible <laughs> for that. If the police weren't on board, if the prison guards weren't on board, who the fuck had to say in this well who's like the highest point of authority you gotta go well it it would be approved it well who knows in america it's like the da's office probably the judge the da's office i don't know what it's like in australia really good blowies or have a really loose (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was gonna say and then i just got like pictures in my mind Uh, uh. so after clifford was released he changed 
his name or he was given a new name for his own protection or something. It's mm-hmm. not clear. Anyways, it's weird because he didn't, he literally just got a new last name. Uh, Clifford so Palmer. Still Clifford? <laughs> Clifford Palmer or oh Cliff. God. He uh, moved to Queensland, Australia, and then Victoria later on kind of moved around just a little bit. Uh, it was kind of unclear also, like, maybe he was in Victoria first and then Queensland later. Who knows? Yeah. Not super important, but... A few years after his release, he remarried to a woman named Merle, or Merlin Juliet Palmer, in 1983. Merle was a widow. Someone actually fucking married him? Honey, we need to buy you some therapy, sweetie. Are you okay? Do you oh, need some girl. Water? Do you need a fucking shot of vodka? I got some. Merle was a widow, and guess how many children she had from her previous marriage? Do not tell me seven. Seven. <gasps> <laughs> See how it just comes back around? It's crazy. So, I don't like the goosebumps I'm getting. Clifford gained himself another family. No. He adopted Merle's seven children as his own and became a devoted father. Okay, really creepy question. Do we know if it's like the same boy to girl ratio? Because that would fuck me up. I don't. It, like, what if it was, though? Just like, can we imagine that it is? Because that would be crazy. Ugh. It's already crazy that it's seven. I know. That's what I thought, too. I was like, oh, my God. Because then he's probably, he's just, like, literally trying to replicate his former Yeah, he's life. trying to get a redo or something. Ugh. Jeez. Uh, Clifford would even gain grandchildren from his adopted children. His grandchildren called him Poppy Cliff, which, you know... I thought it was kind of cute. I mean, Clifford's not yeah, cute not, at all. Not but at Poppy all. Cliff is adorable. Like Poppy Chulo. Yeah, it's cute, but not on you, sir. <laughs> Clifford would pass away in 2002 at the age of 72. I don't know how, but he's not alive. <laughs> Hope it was not pleasant. And it wasn't until years after Clifford passed away when his new family figured out who he really was. (gasps) They never knew? (laughs) (laughs) No wonder she married him. No wonder. Yeah. I will pay for it. Well, okay, so I will note. If we ever make it big, we will pay for your therapy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, okay, so... She had to have no. Well, they didn't have internet back then. But yeah, maybe they I will she note, it's unclear if Merle knows or knew. I will, um, in a couple bullet points, I'll mention something. But Merle ended up passing away in 2012 at the age of 83. Mm-hmm. So her children were cleaning out the home that she shared with Clifford or used to share before he passed away, uh, which was in Victoria, Australia. When they came across some of Clifford's belongings. And uh, guess what was in those belongings? No. Oh, <laughs> Clifford's old. Oh. What? No, I'm like, the gooseys that oh. I'm getting, I can only imagine the children. I know. Clifford's old criminal papers, which included his prison discharge papers, <gasps> were stumbled upon. So one of Merle's sons, Ralph Gray, said, I couldn't believe it. None of us can. To know the full story is horrendous. He just isn't the man we thought we knew. He never disrespected our mother, and they hardly had a raised voice in more than 20 years together. He was a gentleman. He loved us, and we all loved him. And no one really knows if Clifford told Merle about his past uh, but some of Merle's children believed that their mother, who was a devout Christian, was motivated by her faith, to which kind of influenced a willingness to kind of save Forgive the soul him. of Clifford. No. So they're not sure if she knew, but they kind of weren't surprised by maybe if she did because they saw her as maybe, you know, using her faith to try and save him. 
Okay, like, but it's still unclear. Applause, like round of applause for him not killing the second family, but like homeboy, you still killed the first. You should have never even had the chance to touch that second family. It's just like that really blows my mind. Like, thank you for like not committing violence to the second, but then I'm just like, damn, I don't know. But then like behind closed doors, was he really perfect? Who knows? I wouldn't, you know, after y'all see pictures of him, I wouldn't say he was like hot. So it's not like he had that going for him. That really fucked me up. Because then it, I don't know what brings me more. Because what I think what fucks me up the most is that he didn't go on to commit that second act of violence. So. Yeah, that so why ruth- the fuck? What the fuck is... That ruthlessness that we saw in the first case, particularly with the 18-month-old child, for you to commit such a ruthless act, it makes it so hard for me to believe that you would never do anything like that again in your life. It's like... That action just... Speaks oh boy, you got me so crazy in love. Oh <laughs> it's just like, bro, that is to go for the children, one thing, but then you could always say, like, well, they were old enough to say, but oh, I don't know why. That one particular fact, it's just like, and then he goes on to do nothing for the rest of his life. I'm like, I yeah. don't believe that. Well, but here's another missing. particular fact for you we do have a survivor of the massacre. Nolene Paltridge, Winnis's daughter. So Winnis was Heather's sister who was staying there with her son, baby, baby son. So she was Winnis's daughter and 18-month-year-old Brian's stepsister. Nolene was eight years old and she was at the family's Father Day gathering just hours before the murders. She had a lucky escape because she was supposed to spend the night with her mother and brother. But for one, I think her baby brother was kind of annoying her or something. But she also described having a gut feeling that something just wasn't right. So some way, somehow she left and didn't spend the night. Um, so Clifford was her uncle, Barty. I would say it's an amazing thing to have a survivor in this story, but for Nolene, I mean, it's haunted her ever since, um, her, to her being a survivor hasn't always been the most positive to this day. Literally, it's still, so what's interesting is During my research, I came across a Facebook post about this case on a page called The Missing, Murdered, and Unsolved Crimes of South Australia. And the post was just somebody telling the story of this case. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I I wanted to pull a lot from that story to use in, in this, in mine, but there weren't any like sources posted. I didn't know how much of it was like hearsay or like word of mouth or how much of it was true. I don't know. But as I scrolled down on the post to the comments, the first comment I see, the one that was like right there was a comment from Nolene Paltridge. And it was only from 10 weeks ago. Oh shit. Yeah. So crazy. When I saw that, I was like, holy shit, dude. What the fuck? So in Nolene's comment, she said, this was my family. Winnis was my mother and Daniel, my brother. I was left an orphan because of him. The man she was supposed to be having an affair with had his man parts blown off in Vietnam. (gasps) My family were never given any justice. He took everything from me. I was only eight years old. I found out they were dead from the TV. It shattered me. And for him to just be fucking let out is just such a disgrace to all of those lives. Mm -hmm. It just shows, like, the justice system is fucked no matter where you are. And it just, like, makes me so upset. 
that anger that I had at the beginning of the show is coming back up to surface yeah. because it's just like Sorry. I yeah I wasn't expecting this case wowza yeah. that is um so I'll I'll just kind of list the victims really quick and then I have just a little little thing to close off on so Clifford's wife Heather Alice Bartholomew was 40 years old and then I'm going to name his seven children pretty much going from oldest to youngest Neville Kenneth Bartholomew their 19 year old son Christine Heather Bartholomew 17 year old daughter Sharon Ann Bartholomew 15 year old daughter Helen Joy Bartholomew 13 year old daughter Gregory Kim Bartholomew, 10-year-old son. Roger Clifford Bartholomew, 7-year-old son. Sandra June Bartholomew, 4-year-old daughter. The sister of Heather Winnis Mary Keene, 26 years old. Winnis's son, Daniel Brian Sean Keene, 18 months old. I also read 16 months somewhere, but I think it was 18. Um, so for many reasons, this case has, you know, is well known as one of the worst family sides or massacres in Australia. Uh, one major point being the circumstances surrounding Clifford's release from jail. So, um, I'm just going to touch on family sides really quick and, and particularly in Australia, um, so family sides are mur- family murders in which a perpetrator murders their partner and children. A history of domestic violence is a key risk factor, which is pretty obvious. Um, also, an adult victim leaving or communicating their intention to leave the relationship is a huge risk factor as well. A common denominator in family sides is the desire for a sense of control and entitlement, Mm -hmm. usually over finances or the family unit in general. Yeah, just people. Loss of control over masculine domains is often at the heart of family side, family side. And although family sides aren't entirely gender-based, they are committed almost exclusively by men in heterosexual relationships. As of 2020, an average of one woman is killed each week by their current or former partner in Australia. Holy drama llama. Wowzas. Yeah. I'm sure it's worse in the United States, to be honest. Probably worse in the United States. Don't even want to know the statistic in Russia. I do know that Russian listeners are here. Hi, sorry. But yeah, your domestic violence is out of control. And just to... (laughs) It's everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. Sorry, I'm not not trying to... I just read an article about uh, domestic violence in Russia. That's the only reason I bring it up. But education is awareness. Yeah. Women's rights everywhere. Not just in fucking America. Everywhere, baby women deserve to be in a relationship and not fucking get beat up i mean that is the bare minimum it's literally the the bare minimum like just don't abuse me (laughs) just don't hit me don't verbal and that's like verbal physical sexual anything if you say no you don't want to do it done that's it that should be end of conversation they don't touch you they respect your boundaries it's just like if you think that something is crazy, you're not crazy, talk to a friend, talk to a therapist, talk to us. We don't care. Like, you stay safe out there because it exists. And for you to call people and be like, oh, just leave, or oh, just do that, or oh, this and that, like, it's not that simple. Right. We will list resources down below if you don't feel comfortable talking to family or friends or anything like that but there are people out there that want to help and that care about you even if you don't realize it so Mm -hmm. just real quick before we end things an interesting fact or note I guess there's an Australian singer songwriter named Yasmin Delane who wrote a song called Hope Forest 
and um she's pretty young i'm not sure when the song came out uh i read an article that had an interview with her and i think maybe the interview only came out last year 2020 you know maybe around then so she wrote the song called hope forest because turns out her mom moved into the farmhouse where the tragedy happened oh, sometime sure. shortly after the massacre. And she moved in with her family, uh, like not her children, but as a child or young adult. So uh, Yasmin's song is in the viewpoint of her mother. And so in this interview with Joe Hoffner, Yasmin said, Shortly after the incident occurred, my mother and her small family moved into the same house, unaware of what had occurred. There was a lot of weird stuff that went down on the property. Cutlery would turn up bent, things went flying across the room, plagues of insects traveled down the chimney and swarmed the house, enormous oh, dead rats showed up on the doorstep. It got to the point where the house was unlivable and they left. They looked into the history of the house after leaving, and they found out what happened. Okay, but why couldn't we put this energy towards haunting the husband? I know. <laughs> I wish, I really wish if ghosts are a real thing, that, like, ghosts could pick where they put their haunting energy towards. Right, like, they weren't stuck in the same yeah, location. Yeah, in a spot, like, like, why not the fuck haunt him? Like, ew. Oh, this is just such an such an unsatisfactory kind of ending. I'm just like, oh. I know. I just really want to punch him in the face, but I can't because he's dead. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing right now. Uh, um. Yeah, maybe you can go spit on his grave or something. <laughs> I don't want to be disrespectful, um, but if I had to be disrespectful, uh, speaking of graves, grave. um. <laughs> I did read that Heather and her seven children, they were all cremated and the costs were covered by like the, I forget, it was like the National Funeral Directors Association or something. Like they covered the basic costs of them being cremated and Heather's sister, Winnis, and her infant son, they were buried separately. So, um, there's a picture I saw in my research of, like, their caskets all together in the church, and you see, like, the little itty-bitty one. Fucking sad. Yeah, Theo literally just came home, so that, <laughs> like, hearing him, that just really <laughs> fucks me up. I just, like, I, it really blows my mind that someone could be that callous and then we just think yeah it's a great idea to let them go after eight months because I really like especially in eight jail years. like yeah. I'm like okay what good behavior did you fucking cure cancer like did you make a million dollars for your right? fucking country like no you literally sat in jail where all you're allowed to do is do nothing but be fucking bored like of course you're gonna have good behavior like I'm just like don't no no I think we do have something- our standards mixed up people yeah I'm like, do something <laughs> beneficial for the world fucking recycle a thousand pounds of recyclables fucking solve global warming make racism go away solve like, world just, hunger yeah like do something useful and then maybe we'll let you go like you can't <laughs> this good behavior nonsense is such bs well who me. knows i know like, like um the u.s has suffered from overcrowding prisons and maybe australia had some of that going on in the 70s Wait, you let the fucking someone who murdered <laughs> 10 people like let the fucking pot smokers out first hello hello Holy shit hello <laughs> let the druggies out first before you let the fucking mur- mass murderers out like oh all right so i'll think twice before um Committing a mass murder. Apparently, Australia is very lenient on <laughs> their sentencing. Mm, it's right, wild. Well, 
thank you for wildly fucking me up with that one. That's a nice, uh, very cheery Thanksgiving tale for us to celebrate the holiday on. You're welcome. Usually Uh, I like to do those, so I'm glad you like to switch it up a bit. um, Well, I'm surprised it didn't, like, jog your memory Mm -mm. or you hadn't heard of it. It's wild. Yeah, I do not think that I have heard of this one. At first I thought I knew, but... I was thinking of another Father's Day one, unfortunately. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another Father's Day Australia. Wait, order, but it's is fine. Father's Day September 6th, 6th in America also? No. Okay, good. I was like, I no. missed my dad's birthday and Father's Day this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, uh, no, because Topgolf had it in freaking springtime. That's what I thought. I guess it's because Australia has summer and uh, winter time for us, you know? So they make Father's Day when it's nice to go golf out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes True. Sense. Oh, men. Look at men just picking and choosing when the best day to have their day is. Look at that. Look at that. Well, <laughs> cheers to uh, women coming into the picture and providing us laws that, you know, declared that murder is murder. Other than the Ten Commandments, I guess. But <laughs> wait, a woman came up with that. Catherine the Great, <laughs> the thing. Not really, oh. but she talks about it. Like one of oh, it's the second season. So if you haven't watched that, so no, I have definitely have. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, she talks. She's like, why are um, why are you allowed to kill someone just because they call you a dickhead? Yeah. And she's like, we need to change that. And they're like, yeah, because when. They were like, well, actually, like, what it's do you mean? actually it's okay that he killed him. And yeah. she was like, what? And he was like, yeah, they called him a dickhead. It's not against yeah. the law. <laughs> it's like the 400 plus laws that you're allowed to kill someone under. And she's like, no, we need to change that. <laughs> okay. Anyways, anywho. Cheers to, oh, cheers to having a good Thanksgiving. And hopefully your family doesn't suck. But if they do, then you have this episode. And hopefully... I know it was a sucky ending, but it entertained you for the hour, so <laughs> yay. Yay. Cheers to family gatherings and yes. not wanting to kill everybody. Please don't. I like it when everyone is alive. It makes me happy. <laughs> I think it should make everyone happy. Except happy Thanksgiving. the pedo murderers. <laughs> yay. Yeah. Huh? Except the pino murders pedo like pedophiles and oh, murderers yep, yep 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 they yep. don't have to celebrate anyways whatever yay yay okay cheers bye thanksgiving cheers ah. bye <laughs> <laughs>